Talking Back. I'm your host, Dr. Paula Sperry. For the next half hour, I invite you to join me as we explore health issues in the news and learn from those involved in keeping our community healthy. Our goal is not to diagnose or to suggest treatment, but to celebrate your body's innate potential to heal itself. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Talking Back. I'm your host, Dr. Paul Lesperi, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Kim Mead Walters, who is the founder of Sharing Kindness, which is a suicide coalition here on Cape Cod. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk, we're going to approach the big issue, aren't we, we Dr. Sure Kim? We are. Yeah, we're going to talk about suicide. The first thing that I would like to ask you is um, define suicide. That is a really interesting um, question and point. Suicide is self-directed violence. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting, challenging term for a lot of us um, to think about in the sense that the uh, person who dies from suicide is both the victim and the perpetrator. So self-directed violence. Wow. What brings people to that point? Suicidologists uh, tell us that there's not just one thing in general that, that leads to a suicide. There are, in a sense, there's not one thing that leads to a suicide and there's not one thing that prevents or protects against a suicide. It's, suicide is complex. The suicidologists tell us that uh, suicide occurs when a person's pain overwhelms their ability to cope. Now I would imagine that that would affect different age groups differently. It does. It does. Um, Everybody is at risk. So here on the Cape, we lose teens to suicide. The typical person here on Cape is a white male in his 30s, 40s, or 50s, often a construction worker or fisher person. But we, we also lose folks in their 80s to suicide. And indeed, the highest rate of suicide is for people in their 80s there's one death for every four attempts. Across the age span, it's one death for every 25 attempts. Oh my. But, but in, in the older age group, it's one for every four attempts. Wow, I had no idea. I know. Self-directed violence can take a number of forms. For folks in their 70s and 80s, it can look like, for instance, not taking medication, or it can look like not eating. So it's not always, I want to be cautious because the, the safe reporting of uh, suicide conversations, we don't usually talk about means. Like, so we can talk about it generally, but, but we don't talk about how people get away yeah. with it. Yeah. 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 You brought up medication and this might be a little controversial between, I mean, me, I'm a natural holistic physician. You are a medical physician. But a lot of times, just the TV commercials alone, side effects, it used to say, you know, homicide and suicide right on the package inserts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now it says you have some un- unusual urges or something. Mm-hmm. They've 
kind black of gotten box rid warnings. Of, right. Yeah, they've gotten rid of that. But have you found just because I don't prescribe medication, have you found that people do have concerns about those uncontrollable urges, as they put it today? Um, people in general have concerns about medication side effects. In general, the public is much better informed about mm -hmm. those side effects than they were certainly a few decades ago when I started practicing. So certainly there is a level of concern, although generally not to the point of people not taking a medication if they think there's a, a significant benefit to them okay. by taking it. Yeah, so the benefit would outweigh in my the side experience, effects, In my experience, yes. Okay. Very good. So your group, uh, Sharing Kindness, how did you get come up with that uh, name for your group? Well, um, I will give credit to my co-founder, my husband, Davis. We know that connectedness, building connection, building community, being seen, being heard, is protective against suicide for all of us. One of the ways that's so easy to do that is, is to be kind, to hold the judgment, be less judgmental, mm. and be kind connect we're a healthier community and we were talking uh, with a friend who's a former army ranger who works with um, veterans at risk for suicide when the, the week that we were coming up with the name and he he said to us well i don't know whether i'm happier that the name's available or sadder that the name's available but right. sharingkindness.org was available and so and that's who we it. are exactly and you were doing the kindness thing before the word kindness got to be so popular. Uh, yes, it, yes, we were. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, I don't think you can ever have too much. So, <laughs> exactly. so we're happy to share. Yeah, exactly. I was yeah. wondering about that, I, you know, because it's, it's almost like passe at this point. Like, oh, be kind, be kind. You know, everybody's like got the bumper sticker. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, to have that they name, cut you off. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not sure if it's better or, you know, like your friend said, or worse mm -hmm. to have it like that. How, how far do you serve? Where do you roam upon this uh, ter terrain here in Cape Cod? We um, serve the Cape and Islands. Okay. And so we have a, a number of different programs um, that I'd be happy to talk about. We run peer grief groups, which is grief support. Grief support, we started by providing peer grief support in the Dougie Center model for suicide loss survivors because... Um, folks like myself are suicide loss survivors are at increased risk for suicide ourselves. Oh my goodness. And and so peer grief support is suicide prevention. Sounds pretty important. It's very important. And when we started to do that, other people in the community approached us and said, you know, my loss was, you know, pick anything, um, cancer, motor vehicle accident, um, et cetera, COVID. And I also feel isolated and, and in need of support. And so the research shows uh, not surprisingly to me at this point, that providing peer grief support for all grievers is suicide prevention. With children, it's particularly, it's always important, but with children, bereaved children with unaddressed grief are at increased risk for academic difficulties. They're five times more likely to die from suicide. They're nine times more likely not to graduate from high school. Wow. So we are offering peer grief support groups across the Cape, to circle back to your question. Right. We have uh, groups in Sandwich at the moment, Sandwich, Mashpee, Yarmouth Port, and Harwich. We've had time-limited groups in Provincetown and Wellfleet, so we're across the Cape. We are offering a new, what we're calling Grief 101, 60 to 90 minutes of grief education. How do you help 
a coworker or friend or neighbor who's grieving? What can you say? Right. What can you, right? That's one of the things as a bereaved parent that I experienced was people turning away. And I, I don't think they meant to be, I don't think they meant to be cruel. I think they didn't know what to say. To say. Doing, so yeah. um, we are, are bringing that to libraries across the Cape. And we just heard from, presented to one of the librarians in Martha's Vineyard who's, um, We'll be issuing invitations. So we are across the Cape and Islands. Wow. Hey, if you're just tuning in, this is Talking Back. And today we're broaching the subject of suicide with Kim Mead Walters, who's a doctor who has, with her husband and some other folks, started uh, Sharing Kindness, which is a suicide help group here on Cape Cod. The term we use is suicide awareness. Awareness. Because we raise awareness and part of a piece of that is education. Um, a piece of it is also prevention. And for instance, we partner with schools, our youth across the nation. There's been a 70, 70%, 70% increase in suicide in our youth since 2010. What? I know. I know that the, the graph is just, it's startling. Our rates on CAPE across the lifespan, including our teens, are higher than the rest of the state on the other side of the bridge. Oh and so goodness. we are so excited. We partnered this year with Falmouth High School mm-hmm. to introduce the first Hope Squad, which is an evidence-based, school-based suicide prevention program. And it has been an overwhelming success we are now partnering. Uh, the training will happen shortly uh, with Barnstable High School and Cape Cod Tech uh, Regional School in Harwich. And we're in conversation with two other schools. And so this is really exciting to us. Suicide prevention in a school is education. It's also connectedness mm. and it's nurturing resilience. It's addressing bullying. It's getting at the causes mm. of, of deep pain that could be overwhelming to a vulnerable person mm-hmm. who might be at risk for suicide. My goodness. Well, you mentioned you've had, you have quite a few programs that you're starting up. It sounds like it's an awful lot of work. How much time do you devote to this? I mean, are you still in practice? No, I'm not still in practice. So this, the nonprofit, we became a 501c3 in 2018, and right. I was doing both jobs, a full-time physician and, and full-time executive director, for a couple of years Ooh. during the pandemic, that was a bigger challenge. But I really had this conviction to follow my heart to grow the nonprofit. And so I stepped away um, from medicine. Well, it's actually been a year this week. So, um, yeah. Congratulations. Full- Thank you. <laughs> I, I, uh, I loved it. Was, it was 30 years and it was, it was great. There's so many really wonderful things about being a family doc um, in this area. I like to think that I'm using a, many of the same skills and it's a different type of healing. So, so the lens is different, mm-hmm. but you know, me and the, the, the skill set, I'm the same. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome that you found your place and, right. you know, in doing this work. Now, um, I understand that you have a personal story that I brought do. you to I do. do what you're doing. I do. Do you mind sharing? Not at all. Um, they're actually two pieces to to the story in terms of of grief and stigmatized death. When I was a young adult, my uh, brother, uh, Chris, um, who was here on the Cape, uh, a local builder, um, uh, was murdered 
and I was halfway through medical school. I was um, pregnant with my first child and I knew, I knew how to advocate. I had resources. I could not find help. I could not find a grief group. I could not. Fortunately, there were some, um, I, I know my mom uh, attended uh, parents of murdered children, but, but there was nothing for siblings. And wow. uh, I know, right? Who are more at risk for right, exactly for right. suicide? Just and, um, yeah. and many other things, um, substance use. Yeah, you right. know, there's a lot. Grief yeah. does a lot. So, um, fast forward an entire generation. In 2016, um, the fall of 2016, our youngest son Jeremy, um, Jez, to us, uh, a junior here at Nosset, and Jeremy um, died from suicide, and that was there really aren't words there really are not words for how devastating that feels i can't imagine how that would feel to a mother who gave birth to that child it's it's so challenging you know for any parent our our job it feels like and, and i belong to a parent support group now is is to keep your child safe and you know and so so it gets really complicated right how did you fail exactly Right. Exactly right, oh, and 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 then it it hit home for me that my surviving young adult children, that there was no support for them, and it it been a whole generation since I was a bereaved sibling, and now I'm looking at my surviving kids, and I, again, I just had this conviction in my heart. I'm we're raising suicide awareness because I learned so much about youth suicide when Jess died, and I thought, well, if I didn't know this as a doc. Probably most people don't know this. <laughs> don't have a clue. And grief support, you know, we need we need to do this. And so that is how Sharing Kindness was born. And we have these suicide prevention programs now in schools. We have an annual um, suicide prevention, uh, suicide awareness walk. Um, it's in Hyannis. Uh, it's three miles. It's every um, held every May, the weekend before Memorial Day. And... We provide peer grief support. Currently, we have 11 groups meeting across the Cape. Uh, two of those are specific to suicide loss. The others are not. If you're joining us, this is Talking Back with your host, Dr. Paula Sperry, and I'm speaking to uh, Dr. Kim Mead Walters from sharingkindness.org, and it's our local suicide... Should I word the, use the word? I like the word management group because in a way i mean i, I think i think awareness aspects. exactly i think awareness yeah. management is it's yes yeah yeah you're doing a lot with it so what other programs uh do you see in the future or are going on currently with your group sharing kindness here on cape cod well i'll tell you one of the uh, programs that we're hoping to add is a an eight-week grief-based school curriculum evidence-based great study recently out of California. The reason for this is that um, we hear from the clinicians that are trained. We currently have 11 trauma-informed, grief-informed clinicians that lead our groups. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of this year, we'll, that number will be up to 15. Wow. I know. It, we're so lucky, so fortunate. Just a wonderful group of passionate, uh, empathic people. We hear from the clinicians that there are a number of students who do not have the resources to get to our, for instance, our family groups um, in the evening. Our current family group, we have children 
as young as a room for six to nine year olds, a room for 10 to 13 year olds, a room for 14 to 17 year olds, and then a room for parents and caregivers and foster parents. But if you're living with a grandparent, as so many children are here on Cape, right. and your grandparent doesn't drive at night, or you're in foster care and your foster family has other responsibilities and right. can't bring, so, so we need to bring these services, we need to meet our students, our bereaved students where they are. And so we're in conversation with schools to do that. And we're also um, working with another amazing local nonprofit, Cape Cod Children's Place, to develop a three to five year old curriculum for grievers. Wow. Uh, and, to, and to work with them to offer a, a play therapist in yeah. addition to those other groups that we have. Because kids are so impressionable. It's they so are. cool that you're keeping them divided up into their own peer group. Right. And age it, groups. It, developmentally, that's appropriate. And, you know, I think that historically many of us were told oh, kids are resilient you know they'll they'll, they'll what, are, what are the things i've heard they'll bounce back they'll be fine yeah but monkey and see monkey do as well children grieve they grieve yeah and, and if, if brother johnny killed himself and i'm upset maybe i'll try that too mm-hmm. i mean you know kids don't have that sort of latitude of thought to be able to figure it out that you know you he jumped off a cliff. Maybe I'll jump off a cliff. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, my brother Joey was like that. <laughs> He'd watch Batman and crack his skull open jumping over the couch. Oh no! But anyway. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, so we hope to do some work with even in bereaved children that are even younger, mm-hmm. with appropriate um, therapist, uh, clinician, and uh, um, bring grief programming to schools. Right. A curriculum. So you're nonprofit. So does that mean that uh, you work basically on donations with uh, sharing kindness, suicide so prevent? Uh, we we work on uh, we work on donations. Um, we apply for grant funding. Uh, one of the first things I did uh, after I um, stopped seeing patients was take a grant writing course at uh, the community college. Yeah, they've got some good good courses. They up have there some for great courses and stuff. They do, yeah. and um, we're lucky. We are. We are. And then. The Suicide Awareness Walk, which is our um, biggest fundraiser annually. Oh, okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I remember going to, I think it was Hog Island Beer uh, when they opened. They had, you guys had a big event and I went there and, you mm-hmm. know, donated. And we stuff. did. So that yeah. was actually our second walk. The first two walks were in Orleans. We moved the walk to Hyannis following that, trying to geographically be more available mm-hmm. to our community here on Cape. Oh, that's, that's and great. the islands because the ferry comes in ch- ch- uh, from the islands just down the street from the new walk site. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. So, so that, just spend the day doing the walk. Exactly, and hop back on. So that was our our thought. Now you mentioned something earlier that blew my mind. That seventy percent, seventy percent increase in youth suicides. Yeah, since two thousand ten. And the Cape is even more than that. The Cape. The CAPE's rates for youth suicide are higher than, than age-matched peers on the other side right. of so the bridge. Right. Why, so why do you suppose, Dr. Kim, why do you suppose that is? Well, again, I, I wish there were just one reason, because then we could all focus on that and address um, that. It's sort of like the breast cancer rates. We have that problem, too. Right. So there, yeah. there are many things. Um, there was uh, recently from the CDC, a youth risk behavior survey, and they identified 
Um, housing instability is a significant risk factor, so we certainly have that we sure here do. on Cape. Mm-hmm. Um, having uh, a family history, um, having a hist- family history um, or exposure to things like domestic violence, the list, it, it's pretty long and extensive. Um, certain young people, um, if you've had, a person's had a, uh, has an eating disorder, if they're on the autism spectrum, there are, are other pieces that can play into suicide risk. We know now that there are genetic, people who are genetically predisposed. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of work being done. I wish there was one answer. Um, there's not. What do you think it is though? I think it's all of those things. All and those ultimately, things. I think we need to look at each of the, the causes of deep pain that can overwhelm a vulnerable person. And certainly for all people, but in, in the school setting, bullying is huge. And so incorporating anti-bullying, which is a part of the Hope Squad that, mm-hmm. um, Good. that we work with in schools. Right. Um, school connectedness for students to be seen and heard and to know that they matter, that, that people care that they're there, that's suicide prevention. So it, it can take so many forms. There's, there are so many risks, but there are so many ways that we can prevent. I've also heard that suicide is greater in the gay and lesbian population, but uh, you see much more suicide in the trans uh, person population. That's true. LGBTQ uh, plus uh, folks who identify as LGBTQ plus are at three to four times higher attempts and, and deaths from suicide than the general population. Wow. Absolutely true. So yeah, there's there's deep, you know, deep feelings around all that. Society's telling you one thing and you're feeling something completely, you know. And that that's different. that's not dissimilar from somebody who's on the spectrum who feels different. That's not, you know, dissimilar um, from somebody with significant depression or anxiety. Or whose parents are alcoholics and they're exactly. getting kicked out of their apartment. Exactly, and, exactly. Yeah. So reaching out to those folks, addressing those issues, making behavioral health and physical health more accessible, improving, you know, food insecurity and housing insecurity. There was a study in a, a state where they raised the minimum wage by $1 per hour. And there was a statistically significant decrease in suicides. Wow, that's interesting. And so when we were talking about, um, you know, looking at a nationwide $15 per hour, I believe that was the number they were using. Right. I know people were thinking, oh my gosh, you know, can you afford it in small businesses? All I was thinking was they're going to save so many lives if they do this. Wow. So, you know, so so I think we need to think more globally, more diversely about suicide prevention. It's it's not just the signs from the Samaritans at the bridges. It's not just the crisis lines, which are great. They're needed, mm-hmm. both. Um, but we need to think bigger. Bigger, yeah. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the people who do, in fact, commit suicide. Um, what about the people who are affected by suicide? Mm-hmm. Um, Sure. So, I mean, it's hard to go up to somebody and say, hey, I heard your kid just killed themselves. You know, you want right. to talk and, about and it, And I, would, I wouldn't recommend doing that. So, so a couple things. So how do you approach somebody? You know that this is going on. I mean, we, it's our natural thing that we want to maybe get away from it as opposed to go over and... Oh, well, I think person. that's a human thing, you yeah. know, to, to 
to it's scary, particularly if we're talking about a, a, a child's death. And and I don't think that's even the only I don't I don't think that happens only with stigmatized deaths like overdose or suicide or murder. I think that happens when children die from cancer or or yeah. car accidents or they do it's it's just most people can't imagine it, so they want to turn away so they don't have to imagine it. Um, so so I want to So how uh, is that sharing kindness? Yeah, right? exactly. So I want to circle back there because you had said um, commit suicide and I wanna take an the opportunity with your listeners um, to say that we actually try to avoid using commit. Okay. And the reason being, it's certainly what I grew up with. It, you know, it's yeah. what I had in medical records. Um, and I learned when my son um, died that uh, commit perpetuates stigma. People commit crimes. Mm-hmm. They don't commit cancer. Mm-hmm. They they die from cancer. Right. And so people die from suicide. Okay. Um, well, so. Well, thanks for straightening that out. You're, you're, <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you for day. giving me the opportunity. Um, Every uh, day you learn something new. Exactly. Yeah. And when I did go back to work after my son's death, I, I, you know, I had perpetuated the stigma too. So I went in and anytime a medical record popped up and there was a family member where I had written committed suicide, I corrected it. So, um, so thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. What do you do? The best thing you can do for a family member is let is is be present. Is what we call you can companion them. You can you can sit with them. You can um, say to them, "I don't know what to say." That's it's so much better okay. than turning away. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Or um, you can share a story uh, about their person, whether it was their child or their spouse or mm. or um, their sibling who's um, died from suicide or overdose or any of those other stigmatized deaths we we want to support those grievers we need to let them know they're not alone that's a great place to end this conversation you're not alone uh, that's so important so I've been speaking on this program with dr. Kim Mead Walters who between she and her husband, Davis, have put together a wonderful, well, as wonderful as it can be, group of people here it's on wonderful. the Cape uh, to handle the suicide issue that we deal with and grieve from here. And uh, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for coming in here and sharing this with people who listen to Talking Back, which, by the way, is over 30 years old, you know. Uh-huh. Congratulations. I've been doing this a long time. And... Um, yeah, and how can people find out more about your group, Sharing Kindness? What is your website? How can people get a hold of you? How can they find out about this wonderful walk that happens every May and other events you may have during the year? Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, the website is www.sharingkindness.org. Um, my email there is kim at sharingkindness.org. Uh, the website has information about the walk. It has some videos if people want to know. It's an amazing community building experience. Um, our programs uh, under the drop down on uh, programs, you can find the peer grief groups. If you uh, or somebody um, you care about, uh, whether they're a child, uh, an adult, um, the information on peer grief, grief groups across the Cape and across the lifespan is there also. Wow. 
Well, what a great resource, and thank you so much for creating that for us here on the Cape. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into Talking Back. Talking Back is heard on WOMR Radio at 92.1 FM at this time each week. If you have news or comments to share, or you would like to be a guest on Talking Back, write, call, or email this station care of Dr. Paula Sperry, WOMR FM Radio, Post Office Box 975. Provincetown, Massachusetts, 02657. Or you can give us a call. We're at 508-487-2619 or 1-800-921-9667. We're also at www.womr.org online. Tune in next week. And until we meet again, please remember to love your body.